Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, automizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks of the Bigsburg. JC, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Hey, pretty good. Uh, I've been wearing this UNLV hat on the air uh, since the, before the regional. I shaved before the regional. And so there we go. Yeah, I was going to say, I can tell <laughs> you, you, 
You look, you're looking clean, man. You look. Well, clean. I, I started thinking about it, Chris. I, I was in Columbia and Charleston at the end of April, and I'd kind of shaved before that, and I, and I just kind of let it grow out when I got back up here. And I realized that that's when the losing started, is when I was in Charleston and Columbia. So I was like, I need to get rid of this thing, and uh, it's a new day. And so uh, here we go. So y- y'all will see if Carolina wins this weekend. You'll see the UNLV hat next week. Uh, and probably <laughs> if I make it to Omaha, I'll be in the stands like a clown with a UNLV visor on uh, pulling for the Gamecocks. <laughs> so that, that'll be, I'm, that'll be a fun one to explain to people. I'm sure. But Hey, oh, yeah, I res- hey listen, I respect it. Superstitions, man. Well, it's, it's great to see you and great to chat with you, JC. And we'll go ahead and get right into it, man. What a weekend in Columbia at Founders Park. Gamecocks really dominate. I would say the Columbia region. I mean, obviously it started against central Connecticut state, which was a, just a straight-up bloodbath from the jump. Uh, the game against NC State, really high-quality game, two quality teams. I thought Gamecocks get the dub behind some great pitching with Jack Mahoney and others, 6-3 to three the final. And then Gamecocks are able to outslug Campbell in a highly anticipated contest in the regional final and punch their ticket at the Super Regionals for the first time since 2018. Your thoughts, takeaways, impressions from a very successful weekend at Founders Park. Yeah, we, we just talked to Mark Kingston on the show just now, probably about 15 minutes okay. ago. And I, I think for as much criticism as he's gotten through the years, right, and, and rightfully so, with with a lot of the the losses and stuff, and it's not so much, you know, I know some things have been out of his control during his tenure, everything from COVID to the recruiting rules to inheriting recruiting classes to the injuries last year and this year. Um you know, but there are standards around here in the sport, and, and he knows that, and everybody knows that. I, I think in the head coach, you know, because you have a hitting coach, pitching coach, third, whatever, you know, but your head coach is – it's his job to lead the program, right? And it's his job to kind of right the ship when things aren't going well and to, and to keep things steady and to keep guys from quitting because uh, these are young people still. Uh, and, and all that good stuff. So it's um, it's just one of those things where uh, I, I think he deserves credit for maintaining positivity, uh, for, for saying, you know, kind of the mantra he's had, well, we had to sacrifice some battles to win a war, <laughs> which makes sense. That analogy makes sense. Uh, and so I think Mark Kingston deserves credit for that. I, I think there were a lot of doubters <clears throat> that, you know, the Gamecocks were – you know, not going to win this regional, including most of the national media and everybody else. Uh, but I think he ended up being right in that once his team, his whole team is back together, they're a pretty good baseball team. And they showed that, you know, you get behind early uh, on Sunday with the two run blast. The camel was a very good hitting team, a very old team too. I mean, those guys, they're grown men out there. Uh, I've been in college like the Tommy boy plan. They've been in college for like seven years. You know, they're not doctors, but you know, uh, I, I, uh, I thought Campbell was confident. Uh, I thought they felt like they would go and, and win the game. And uh, it wasn't meant to be. And you think about how the Gamecocks started, started the onslaught and started scoring on them. I mean, Hey Chris, how many balls did not leave the infield mm-hmm. before Carolina tied it up? And that's just guts, smart baseball, strategically taking advantage of, of some really suspect defense by, by Campbell. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, when McGillis hit the home run after all that, you know, rarely do I just bust 
bust out laughing <laughs> when something like that happens. I'm usually yelling or happy, but I just laugh because I was like, I thought I just thought it was hilarious. You know, he got up there and you've had all this small ball, all these you know stringing together hits, guys missing ground and stuff, and then McGillis just boom, and there you go. That's the Gamecock baseball team we've seen all year, and uh, uh, hopefully it continues in what'll be a a very tough uh, super regional against the University of Florida. I, I watched them. Uh, quite a bit this weekend. You know, Texas Tech gave them all they had, but boy, when Florida's pitchers are going and they got those sluggers in the lineup, they're they're a really good baseball team. So uh, the Gamecocks have their hands full with this one, uh, but we'll see what happens um, starting on Friday. JC, you mentioned that inning where a ball did not leave the infield. It felt very 2010-ish, 2011-ish, where those teams just, I mean, you think about UCLA when they take, took on Garrett Cole and there were just a couple of squibbers and nubbers and Texas leaguers, and you look up, and Carolina wins that game seven to nothing. And uh, that those teams just found ways to do that. The whole win anyway mantra, find a way. Uh, those teams certainly did that successfully. Did Mark Kingston give you guys any indication on and what the plan may be on the mound going into this weekend? Because you know, one of the big topics, JC, we've been discussing is just what do you do with Will Sanders now? I mean, he looked really good. It looks like vintage Will Sanders out there. Is he now just a weapon used out of the bullpen? We all know his history with Florida. Uh, he doesn't like Florida, notably, and he has shoved it up there you-know-where every time he's faced them. So, did Mark Kingston give any sort of indication on that and also any other strategy maybe going in the weekend? Well, he, he did say he expects the lineup to be intact. Uh, I, think, I think he likes where his lineup is right now. Quite frankly, I do, too. I mean, mm. you got uh, – you know, you got Braswell in the seven. I like that. You know, I mean, Braswell's a good hitter, but you, I mean, that, that shows kind of the depth that you have um, now. Whereas, you know, when it was Tippett and, and Tippett Stone and, and Brewer down there at the bottom, you know, you're kind of like, oh, well, hopefully they, hopefully a nice bunt will happen or something, you know. But uh, he did say he's going to stay with his lineup. As far as pitching goes, he didn't tip his hand. I got the impression because he left the door open for Will Sanders to start a game uh, Saturday. Uh, I mean, sorry, didn't say Saturday, uh, this weekend. Uh, maybe Friday, maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday. I, I don't know that – I mean, I don't know that you – I mean, Chris, would you I mean, would you consider it a gamble to start him in game one? I don't, I don't know that I would necessarily given his success against Florida. And that's one of these cases said they're going to look at – Keith is a big matchups guy. He's going to look at all the matchups, the the history of success against their hitters, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Because if you do get Sanders and you do, he does pitch a gym and you you steal that first one. Then through two games, you're still, you still got Hicks. You still got Mahoney. You still got Becker. You still got Eli Jones. Uh, You know, you've got your bullpen kind of set. Um, So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't, maybe you still start Hicks and don't upset the apple cart and, and all that, it would just, you know, I, it would be a shame <laughs> given Will Sanders' success against Florida mm-hmm. uh, if you get down there and lose two games and he never pitches, yeah. right? So uh, that's that's kind of, I think, what's going through Kingston's mind right now. So he did not tell us definitively, but, you know, I was under the impression based on his comments and him le- le- specifically leaving the door open for Will to possibly start this weekend that it is a possibility. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, JC, because you bring up a great point. I mean, what you don't want to have happen is you go through the weekend and he never pitches. And just because, yeah. again, like his success against Florida, it's it's so obvious the the uh, 
you know, just the success he's had, man. I mean, you look at the numbers, it's it's dominating type of stuff. And again, he mentioned openly about his feelings, personal feelings to Florida and whatever edge you need, you want to use it, uh, obviously, in this weekend. Um, th- did Kingston give off any impressions that maybe they felt disrespected coming into this past weekend in the Columbia Regional? Because I know, like you mentioned, all of the hype and the love, and I understand, like, Campbell was a quality club all year. They are a quality club, and I think they just – Simply put, ran out of pitching and ran into a buzzsaw that is South Carolina at Founders Park. But I got to think, man, I got to think, J.C., they had a massive chip on their shoulder with everybody just sort of, you know. I mean, you had, like, people – like, this wasn't just folks on Twitter. Like, you had, like, Kyle Peterson saying that, man, Campbell got a great draw in that regional. You know, you had people saying that, oh, this is Campbell's regional. South Carolina is just hosting it. Like – I mean, there was chatter coming from all directions. Did Kingston give any indication that that chip on their shoulder led to the performance that we saw? Not really. He, you know, he talked more about, like, his team being in a positive place and and, and expecting when, when you know, he, he, he spoke more to, like, the comfort level. Like, and this makes sense, too. We, we talked about this on our show and with John Whittle and some other folks. You know, McGillis and Wimmer being back in the lineup and LaCroix being at his normal spot and stuff. It's not necessarily that those guys have to go have multi-hit games and things like that, though they did hit the ball pretty well. It gives everybody else like Ethan Petrie and Cole Messina and, and these guys. I mean, there's a reason there is such a thing as a batting order, as we all know. And you like to stack hitters behind hitters so you can't pitch around guys and things like that. Um, and I think this gives everybody else confidence, you know. Uh, I think we saw why, you know, although Braswell's done a great job at short filling in defensively, we saw why Wimmer, it, it, they're pretty happy with him at short. I mean, the guy's got a cannon uh, and, and then, you know, throwing people out and things like that. And uh, I like Tippett in center field an awful lot. I, I know he had the one kind of misplayed ball late against Campbell, but I thought he held up pretty well. Um, but, but it just, it, he spoke, Coach Keeson talked talk, more about like just the confidence and you know camaraderie you know based on everybody being back and 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 them really validating to themselves that hey you know coach wasn't just lying uh that wasn't a fluke how we started the season we were really that good and um guess what you know we're back and and that's that's kind of the feeling i got now that said have i maybe heard through the grapevine that a lot of carolina people weren't really all that fired up about how Campbell came in and sort of carried themselves. Uh, yeah, I think that's a thing. And, and I think that's a thing in baseball. I mean, you just don't uh, – these kids these days that play college baseball are very emotional creatures, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, a lot of bat flipping and hooping and hollering and stuff, and that's great, you know. But uh, he uh, – I do think there was some feeling of, hey, you know, th- these guys – we're South Carolina. These guys are freaking Campbell, okay? And I felt that way last week. I was like, I, I said, I don't remember Campbell having to play three games at Arkansas or Kentucky or, or you know, uh, to have to play Tennessee at home or whatever. So I uh, I did think there was some schedule strength issue there that would benefit the Gamecocks, provided they were at full strength and hitting on all cylinders, and they were. So that's uh, – that has to give them confidence. But, you know, you talk about the disrespect card, that card's about to flip over for this weekend because Florida remembers what happened in Columbia. And they remember struggling against the Gamecocks in Columbia mightily. And, uh, you know, I don't – Florida's a type of program, sometimes as talented as they are, they'll drop a game or two in a heartbeat. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I think those guys are going to be ready to get some revenge. You almost wish that sweep didn't happen, you know, and you're like, ah, man, you know. Uh, but uh, it should be a heck of a series. You know, this is a uh, yet another time South Carolina and Florida in a sport, a major men's mm-hmm. sport. They've played with a lot on the line, starting with the 2000 football game down there when, shoot, Carolina blocked two punts, but then Spurrier ran a fake punt and dialed it up. That was for the SEC East. And then, you know, years later, 2010 for the SEC East, the Gamecocks won in football down there in 2010 also. They played for the SEC championship the last series of the of the season. Florida won that. Mm-hmm. Gamecocks won the national title. Um, in 2011, the Gamecocks played them in the College World Series final. In 2012, they played them in the opening game of the College World Series. The Gamecocks won that one. <laughs> 2017, in men's basketball in the Elite Eight, Gamecocks won that one. Uh, so the Gamecocks, when they've played Florida with a with stuff a lot on the line, you know, since that early you know, loss in 2000 to Steve Spurrier and those guys. And that was, that would have been a miracle had Carolina gotten to Atlanta that year anyway. Uh, the Gamecocks have come up big against the Gators. So here's another uh, key moment for some reason. These two SEC teams tend to meet with a lot on the line. A lot of great historical context there, JC. And I mean, obviously, who can forget 2011? Of course, Scott Wingo, I'm sure, will be able to provide a lot of perspective to the guys this week. And you know, what happened against Florida then, and that, that sort of leads me to my next point, of course, just kind of a you know looking ahead to this weekend, South Carolina, Florida, in Gainesville. Uh, we now know Friday at 6 o'clock, Saturday at 3, Sunday is TBD, if necessary, both those games on ESPN2. And like you mentioned, you know, you look at this series, JC, I think, you know, you look, hey, this is a South Carolina team that swept Florida. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. On the other side, it's really hard to beat a team five times, which is what you'll have to do uh, in order to go to Omaha. You're, you're just brief thoughts on the weekend. And I guess if you were to give, is there a key to the weekend? Is there anything, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically you're looking for that South Carolina must do this in order to take two or three? Because, of course, down there at their place, going to be a raucous environment, <clears throat> going to be tough for sure. Pitching, 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 in my opinion. I, I think it's. South Carolina, you know, with Sanders back, you, you, you sort of – it's still a, a staff where you – man, you'd, you'd love to have Jerzen back and Noah Hall and those guys. Uh, but with Sanders back, you have some options, and you have some guys – now that Sanders pitched some pretty good innings uh, out of the bullpen this past weekend, you have some guys that are kind of hot right now. Mahoney's a hot pitcher. James Hicks is a hot pitcher. I mean, so that those guys got to hold up, and if it gets to Becker – they're going to ha- have to have some run support for him. I mean, that was the key on, on Sunday, obviously, getting those nine runs uh, and all that. So uh, I, I think strong starting pitching and uh, then see if they can hit uh, Chris Veach's uh, what is this, a slider or curveball thing that he throws. That, good that luck wicked, in that, that thing. Wicked, that wicked changeup he throws. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, yeah the changeup. Yeah, that's it. The, the wicked changeup. So uh, I, I think the pitching is important. I think Florida's arms are good enough to where Carolina is going to have to fight, scratch, claw for runs, um, kind of just like Texas Tech did. Texas Tech does not have the firepower on offense uh, that South Carolina uh, did coming in, but Florida's pitchers are awfully, awfully good. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, that, that that's going to be the key is you got to match that pitching because, you know, on the road, it can unravel on you pretty quick. Now, they're not going into Bomb Stadium. They're not going into Mississippi State, uh, whatever their field's called. They're not playing at Ole Miss. They're not playing at Clemson. Uh, Florida is a, has a nice new ballpark, but, man, it's June. There's no students on campus. Everybody's at the beach. I mean, yeah, they're, there's they're, not, a reason. they're not really known for their baseball atmosphere. They're not. There's a reason the Devil Rays, who have one of the best teams in the majors, uh, draw 6,000 and the Marlins are even worse. You know, I, I, I just don't know that baseball's on everybody's mind uh, down there. They, they, did, they did have a good crowd for the regional, I thought, but uh, it's a lot more of a relaxed atmosphere than than even Vanderbilt or someplace like that, Chris. So, um, and, and when the brackets came out, I was kind of like, oh God, they're going to get sent to Arkansas. Well, shoot, I kind of wish they were matched up with that bracket now because Arkansas is not they're out. So, you know, but, uh, I, I think, I think that's something to keep in mind too. It is a road series, but that Florida is a little bit different and, and I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying it fundamentally, it's not like founders park or, or some of your other, um, raucous ballparks around the league. JC Clemson picks up a commitment from, I think the number one linebacker in the country yesterday, now a four-star wide receiver today, Georgia picks up a commit from a defensive lineman that South Carolina was, I think, trying to get. So of course, as you can imagine, JC Gamecock folks are taking that really well today on social media, right? Especially seeing Mm. Clemson in the 24 seven team rankings, jump ahead of the Gamecocks in the 10 spot, South Carolina at 11, uh, do you have any calming words, the Gamecock Nation, well, or just just any updates on recruiting? That's because uh, sure. I know obviously everybody gets antsy this time of year, right? Yeah, I wouldn't get antsy. Look, Sammy Brown, he, he's from I believe he's from Jefferson, Georgia, right? Okay, so Georgia fans were really truly the ones freaking out on social media, freaking out. Well, well, here's the thing about it: Jefferson is the, it's the speed trap you go through if you're going from Gainesville to Athens. Mm. Uh, there's another speed trap between Jefferson and, and Athens that I don't remember its name, but uh, it's it's a doozy. Get Jefferson's a doozy. All right, so if you're Sammy Brown, uh, first of all, I think Clemson did a great job recruiting him from day one. Uh, they were always up there on his list. Uh, if you're Sammy Brown, Athens is almost like it's home. Basically you, you could live at home and go to the university of Georgia, drive in every day. Clemson's far enough because you just go right out there and get on I 85 and in about 50 minutes. You're at the exit for Clemson, just cross Lake Hartwell. 
Clemson's far enough away to where he, you know, he's away from home a little bit. Um, I think Georgia's proximity probably worked against them in, in this situation. You hate to lose a kid from your backyard, but, you know, Clemson's kind of been the team for him uh, or, or one team. One of, it, it was always going to come down to Clemson and Georgia since, like, I mean, they started this process with him and Clemson was winning national championships. Mm. Uh, is it thrilling for the Gamecocks that they get another great linebacker? Because, you know, you got Trotter, Trotter, you know, Trotter's out after this year, I think, unless Trotter left. No, Trotter, Trotter's, Trotter's back this year. Mm, yeah. I mean, is, is it awesome that they got another great linebacker? No. Uh, but uh, the recruiting has fallen off a, slightly, uh, but not on the defensive front. They're still recruiting at elite level linebacker defensive line. So uh, that, that, that was uh, – I kind of thought maybe Georgia would get him uh, for a while, uh, but then the last couple of weeks I have been hearing Clemson. Now, as far as Justin Green goes – this is one that probably would sting South Carolina because it was South Carolina by a mile here for a long, long time. Auburn came in, gave him something to think about, says so Carolina Auburn. Well, then Georgia just recently upped and offered. Mm. And and that's just a Georgia kid, two-time defending national champion. Uh, look at all the guys they put in the NFL. I mean, they have NIL money to, to burn, you know. I, I – I think it's just awfully difficult to maintain a lead, no matter how good you are recruiting, to, to recruit against that when they've got that much momentum and that much tangible evidence as to why you should stay at home. I mean, or, or, or near home. I mean, he's from, uh, I think, Gwinnett in Atlanta. And so that one, that one sort of, you're like, ah, you know, Gamecocks really had it. But hey, Georgia thought they had Cliff Matthews back in the day, too. They had him penciled in, and Gamecocks ended up keeping him at home. So uh, that's just kind of what happens when you fight these SEC recruiting battles. But there's there's really no reason to, to panic right now about anything yeah. recruiting-wise. It's not like Clemson was never going to sign any more good players under Dabo. I mean, uh, come on. I mean, you know, it's not like Georgia's not going to get good players. I mean, you've got to you got to kind of concentrate on what you get. And I think the Gamecocks are uh, – still tracking to have a really good uh, recruiting uh, cycle in 2024, maybe one of the best in school history. So, yeah. Yeah. And on that note, JC, I know there was a, a visitor weekend this past weekend. I, I just, again, a, a recruiting update. What, what's the latest on, I mean, do you have an idea who you think the next one, next prospect to fall is? I mean, this, again, this is the time of year. We're still early in June, obviously, but this is over the next couple of weeks. This is traditionally when, you know, South Carolina is what sitting at nine commitments right now. I mean, do you expect that number to double over the next month? I mean, what, what's the what do you think the timeline looks like for uh, for this class? Let's see. I have a vacation. I'm going to Gatlinburg to the mountains, <laughs> uh, July first through six. So I'm gonna say by the time I get back from vacation, there'll be well 15, 16, 17 commits. Um, uh, the way these June visits have kind of worked out recently, and there's just not a lot of history there because this is kind of still a new thing. Uh, most guys make up their mind in June and then they'll commit like over that week of the fourth with, while I'm on vacation. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, cause they like to do videos and social media posts and all that. So uh, I would, you know, people are always, and I don't, I, I don't understand it these days because, 
in the old days, you know, you'd have February, uh, the January visits, right? And and the, you come out of the January visits every weekend and you pick up four or five commitments right there on mm -hmm. campus. Boom, boom. That just doesn't happen anymore because kids are on their own timeline. They have, I mean, they, they have a little production they have to do mm -hmm. uh, for it. Uh, now, it is a little different with Beamer because, you know, Muschamp would not tweet his hashtag Spurs up um, with the exclamation point. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to make a hashtag with an exclamation point, by the way. But anyway, he uh, he would tweet that like right before the kid was going to go public. Like that was kind of his thing. Mm. Beamer will tweet it as soon as the kid commits to him. Mm. So he just does. Nobody knows the name. So it's, it's kind of fun in a way. But like Xavier McLeod last year was the first welcome home back in February. So mm. <laughs> go figure. But um. I, uh, you know, so I, I, I understand that like, okay, there were no welcome homes. That means there wasn't any, no silent commits, whatever. You have to keep in mind too, this, this particular list of visitors this weekend, Chris, I call it a grab bag weekend because they're just a lot of guys that are from kind of far away. I mean, you have Parker Livingstone from Texas. You had Braylon Russell from Arkansas coming in. Uh, Jalua Solomon from South Georgia. I mean, it, 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 uh, one of my contacts explained to me was it was just like, well, it's kind of 50-50 on all these guys right now because, you know, they're not – they're kind of all from a little bit far away here, there, and yonder. And so uh, the, the response was great from the visit weekend. I think South Carolina uh, is in really good shape with a lot of these guys. But, you know, it, it's – it's and it was a sizable visit weekend. But it's not – you know, it's not like in two weeks where – okay, all the commits are there. You got Dylan Stewart coming in. You got Jonathan Paylor coming in. You got Daniel Hill coming in. All those guys are like South Carolina's right there. You know, um, th this is more of a, when I looked at the list, I was like, well, I get two or three of these guys call it a day because that's there's, there's guys from all over. Um, and as Beamer continues to recruit and, and spread the uh, footprint, uh, you know, sort of nationally for the first time uh, in the history of this program, uh, you're going to see visit weekends like that where you, if you can get three of seven, that's good because uh, it's three good players. You know, you may miss on four, but uh, Hey, there's uh, other guys out there, other fish mm -hmm. in the sea, so to speak. Mm -hmm. JC, one last thing before I get you out of here. And again, I appreciate you taking the time each and every single Tuesday to join us. Um, I'm curious to get your take on this as someone who, you know, is directly tied to a collective and in the NIL space and, and, and deals with this on a day in day out basis, but tampering has become sort of a topic of conversation. I feel like it probably will be until we have some sort of, some sort of structure in place. I know Shane Beamer's had comments on it before. I think most notably, I think back to when he mentioned after the, the Duke's Mayo bowl teams were, were courting the carry on joiner to be their starting quarterback. And he obviously didn't turn anybody in or mention names. And I, and I think a couple of days ago, there was something that came out about, and I forget exactly where it was, but he had said something about, you know, he had had conversations with guys like Jaheim Bell, Marshawn Lloyd, Jordan Birch. He thought everything was fine. And a couple of days later, they're gone, right? So there's obviously some contact happening. Like, what can happen in college football to eliminate tampering or limit it? Or, I mean, is there really anything that can be done? Because when I think about it, JC, it's like, how are you really going to stop? Like, you literally just have to stop communication. I mean, that's what you have to do. I mean, I thought it was really interesting, and I'm sure you saw this, you know, reading some of Marshawn Lloyd's comments from a Southern Cal website when he was saying that, yeah, you know, after our regular season, I was talking to Caleb Williams, and he was talking about come play with us, and you're like, I mean, so, like, how 
does college football get control of that person? Yeah, it's kind of, well, I mean, you know, Caleb Williams is, is Lincoln Riley's best recruiter. He got Jordan Addison the year before too, didn't he? He and his dad, you know, they're all from up there in DC. Like the, you know, I think one of the better things that could possibly happen uh, for South Carolina would be for Caleb Williams to move on <laughs> to the NFL, get him out of there. Cause the uh, Gamecocks are doing well in that area, but, but that's an issue. Um, I don't think there's anything you can do about it. I, I think that, you know, you, with Marsh, I mean, it's not even against like the old school NCAA rules. Marshawn Lloyd has a previously existing relationship with Caleb Williams. It's a player at another school. He's talking to his buddy. I mean, he's talking to his dad, whatever. Uh, their conversations are private, you know, and I, I'll say this. Collectives have no business being involved in that. And, they, and on my end, it's, they're not. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> – I'm not calling guys up going, hey, come to South Carolina and we got a sweet deal for you. I mean, you, you, you can't do any of that until after they enroll. And I don't – I just uh, – it's not worth my uh, – other career and all that good stuff to, to jeopardize anything. So I'll tell you right now, I'm not doing it. And I don't know of very many collectives or like collectives across the country that are, it's more like you described, Chris, it's a friend of a friend. It's a high school coach. Uh, it's, it's somebody's buddy, you know, and, and in this world, we're all kind of hyper-connected anyway. It's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it used to be where you're going to make a long distance phone call. So you're kind of worried about that dime, you know, are you, you know, you, you mail them a letter. I mean, uh, these days it's like, you know, easy shoot a text, do, do whatever. And, and everybody's sort of connected, but I, uh, it, it, it's just, it, it would take somebody being extraordinarily stupid with tampering hmm. and irrefutable proof because the NCAA will eventually get the NCAA does anything right now. They're getting sued. Lawyers are just waiting on it. So the NCAA will have to have an airtight case. And then the, the, the program that's, that gets busted for it needs to suffer some very, very serious penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could back people off for a while or at least make them careful. But um, it's, uh, it is interesting that, um, you know, how all this kind of goes down and stuff. And, but I, I think it's way more like with uh, – like in Marshawn's situation, you know, with uh, somebody he previously knew that's at another school that, hey, want to come play with me. And unfortunately, you know, that happens uh, a lot. You know, it happens with, with AAU basketball teams. It happens with travel baseball teams, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, we're kind of in that era. But, uh, you know, I think that's kind of uh, where it's at. And I'm not sure outside of federal law, how you police something like that? I, I just because uh, you're you're can't keep people from talking to their friends. That's a fact. And JC, people are always going to find a way to bend the rules or get around things, or uh, especially when it comes to recruiting. I, I know we are both buddies with Brad Lawing, and he's told me some wild, wild west stories. Yeah. And basically, the bottom line was just all the coaches knew they were all doing whatever, and. They just had an agreement, as long as you don't piss in my yard, I won't piss in your yard. So, I think we're probably yeah. kind of still operating that way, honestly. I, I, I Find a way, man. Find a way. <laughs> Find a way. So. That's it. That's it. J.C. Sherbert inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur. J.C., I appreciate you taking the time, man. Looking forward to doing it again next week and jumping on you guys' show on, uh, on Thursday. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, man. We'll talk soon.